0: Let us hear the word of God. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, but in the power of God. Now unto him who loves us, who has freed us from our sins by his blood, to Jesus Christ be all praise, honor, power, dominion, and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The Apostle Paul was not a know-nothing preacher. He had studied under Gamaliel, one of Judaism's greatest teachers. As a Pharisee trained in the scriptures, Paul reasoned with his fellow Jews in the synagogues, testifying that Jesus was the promised Messiah, the Christ of Israel. As a Jew who had been educated in Hellenistic culture, Paul was also able to debate with the Greek philosophers in Athens. The Apostle Paul was not a know-nothing preacher, but he was a preacher who decided to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. As he wrote to the church in Corinth, when I came to you, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now that phrase, Jesus Christ and him crucified, also implies and includes the great realities of Jesus' virgin birth, sinless life, his resurrection from the dead, his ascension into heaven, and his coming again in glory. Yes, Paul didn't ignore or discount those other great realities of Jesus Christ. He told the elders in Ephesus that he had faithfully declared to them the whole counsel of God. But, Everything included in the whole counsel of God, everything in the whole counsel of God either leads up to the cross or flows out of the cross. Everything in the whole counsel of God either leads up to the cross or flows out of the cross of Jesus Christ. Why is that? And and why does the Apostle Paul say it this way, to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified? Why is that, Jesus Christ and him crucified, the summary statement of the gospel? Because... The wages of sin is death because the Holy Creator said to our first covenant head, the first Adam, In the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. But it was Jesus Christ, our new covenant head, the last Adam, who died that death under the curse of the Holy Creator. As the Apostle Paul wrote to the Galatians, Christ redeemed us from the curse by becoming a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Therefore, Jesus Christ and him crucified is the summary statement of the whole gospel because by his death he destroyed but how this fallen world would love to have all that the gospel offers the world is crying out for love and joy and peace and unity and forgiveness and reconciliation and the fullness of life and everlasting life Oh, how the world longs for all of that, but without Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Oh, how this fallen world longs for dreams of the kingdom of God without Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now, we just had an illustration of that, didn't we? Not trying to make a partisan statement here. It's just been in the news. Politicians tweeting about Easter worshipers, whatever that means, whatever they meant by that, as though Easter were just nothing more than, you know, an opportunity for people who are so inclined to have some kind of a religious festival about Easter being, quote, a day devoted to love, redemption, and renewal. We're all in favor of that, aren't we? What a wonderful thing to have a day devoted to love, redemption, and renewal, a, quote, holy weekend for many faiths. Our culture loves, loves the ideals of Christianity without Jesus Christ and him crucified. But particularly in the context of first century Corinth, Paul focused on Christ crucified because it was on the cross of Christ that God displayed both his power and his wisdom in a way which completely confounded the wisdom of this world and completely shamed the power of this world. So that no man may boast. On the cross of Christ, the wisdom and power of God for salvation were demonstrated in a way such that no human being might boast in the presence of God because it's not by the wisdom of man or the power of man that salvation is attained. As hard as we might try and delude ourselves into thinking that maybe just one way, just someday, we actually will save ourselves. But it was there on the cross that the justice of God against sin and the mercy of God upon sinners came together in a perfect harmony, a perfect intersection for the salvation of everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. The justice of God against sin, the mercy of God upon sinners in a perfect unity. The Greek phrase translated to know nothing could be translated to see nothing else. That is to set eyes on nothing else, to focus attention on nothing else. And so Paul was saying to the Corinthians, when I came among you, I decided to focus my preaching on the simple message that Christ was crucified to save sinners But as Paul tells us in the paragraphs preceding chapter 2, the cross was a stumbling block, a scandal, an offense to the unbelieving Jews because the idea of a crucified Messiah was a contradiction in terms, an oxymoron. The Christ, so they thought, was to be a king of earthly power and glory, and so Paul wrote, Jews demand signs, just as they did during Jesus' earthly ministry. On the other hand, the cross was folly, foolishness to the Greeks, because to the Greek philosophers, the, the idea that the infinite, eternal, divine spirit of life would become imprisoned in a human body, well, that seemed like foolish nonsense. What kind of a god would do something like that? And secondly, the Greek philosophers were attracted more to the lofty heights of metaphysical speculation than to the disgusting notion of a man crucified as the substitutionary sacrifice for sins in order to bring peace with God for others. What wisdom is there in that? Folly! How could anyone accept as Savior a man who did not have sufficient wisdom to save himself from the shameful death of crucifixion? Pure folly. And so Paul wrote, Greeks seek wisdom. Now in this context, Jews demand signs of earthly power. Greeks seek wisdom. We can see <laughs> there wasn't much of what we might call a natural market for the message of the cross. Stumbling block to unbelieving Jews, folly to the Greeks. Nevertheless, Paul did not package and peddle the word of God for his own profit. Nor did he tell the Jews in the Corinthian synagogue or the Greek philosophers what they wanted to hear or tickle their ears in order to make the message of Christ and Him crucified more palatable, you know, more acceptable, more attractive. <laughs> in fact, Paul did exactly the opposite. He set forth the truth plainly, unvarnished with no entertainment value and no impressive human performance. In human weakness and with fear and trembling, Paul preached the simple gospel of Jesus Christ and him crucified so that their faith and ours might not rest in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. Paul was confident that the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Paul knew that the power of the gospel is the power of the word of God which is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And Paul was fully confident that by the simple preaching of Jesus Christ and him crucified sinners, both Jews and Gentiles, People of every tribe and tongue and nation would be brought to faith in Christ by the working of the Holy Spirit and receive salvation. Paul knew and trusted that to those who were called, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ crucified was the power of God and the wisdom of God. And so he proclaimed salvation God's way. Now, what about the message of the cross today? 21st century America, Jesus Christ and him crucified. Is our situation really that much different from that of the first century? What about Americans today? What do we demand? What do we seek? I'm speaking, you know, Generally, referring to American culture as it becomes more and more secularized. But please let's not forget that the secularism which surrounds the church has a way of invading and infiltrating inside the church. So what do we 21st century Americans demand? What do we seek? Now, we don't demand too much, do we? I mean, we just demand to have our own way. We just demand to have things the way we like them. And in terms of religion or spirituality or our relationship with God or whatever we'd like to call him, well, we just want a religion that works for us, with which we feel comfortable which reflects our values and fits in with and supports our lifestyle and, and meets our personal needs and, and helps us and encourages us as we pursue our own personal goals in the American dream. You know, it, you know my religion, my spirituality, it's, it's just one more piece of the puzzle that, 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 that completes the picture of the life that I, that I want to live. You know, everything goes better with God as though God were merely an optional accessory to your life and add on to your otherwise self-sufficient, self-directed, self-centered, individualistic life? <laughs> we call it the pursuit of happiness. That's our right, right? So Americans today demand a God who understands Everything exactly as I do from my perspective and forgives all without any repentance and who agrees with me in any decision or choice I make because he understands me. You know, he really knows me. So he, he understands all the decisions and choices that I make. All we demand is a Lord who will let us run our lives the way we want to and will actually help us run our lives the way we want to. A Savior who will simply let us have our own way. A God who loves us so much that he requires nothing of us and would never, ever dare to contradict us. The unbelieving Jews of the first century demanded signs. Greeks sought wisdom. In the 21st century, all we want is to have it our way, a God we make in our own image and likeness who will do our bidding. Now, brothers and sisters, in this kind of a culture, there's not much of a natural market for the message of Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because to believe in Jesus Christ and him crucified is to believe some things that just don't fit in very well with contemporary American mythology. First of all, the cross reveals that I really do need to be saved. Saved from what? The wrath of God. The cross shows me that I need to be reconciled to a holy and righteous creator whose wrath I have provoked by my sins against him. The message of the cross tells me that Jesus Christ, the sinless son of God, suffered divine wrath because of my sins. My sins. And that must mean that I must not be nearly as good as I think I am And not nearly as wonderful as I hope you think I am, it must mean that I'm really not okay just the way I am. Otherwise, why would Christ have needed to die for me? It must mean that there's something dreadfully wrong with me at the core of my being and that I desperately need a Savior. That just doesn't feel very comfortable. That's just not, that just doesn't feel, that just, the wrath of God, really? Are you kidding me? I mean, who besides Osama bin Laden or a child predator really needs to worry about hell? And furthermore, the general culture today presumes that we have the right to choose our own way to God, right? The right to demand that God accept our way of salvation. You know, it's as though God is obligated to save us according to our way of salvation, after all it's a free country I can believe whatever I believe we can all choose our own path to God can't we we're unique individuals spirituality is very personal it's very individual isn't it I mean and in matters of religion we have to have the individual liberty to live up to our full potential to be all that God wants us to be and so what God really wants for me is to be me I've I've got to be me All that really matters is that we're sincere and we're true to our hearts, right? Right. That's the creed of popular American so-called spirituality today. We save ourselves by being ourselves. It is nothing less than the sad and tragic idolatry of the self. And Jesus Christ and him crucified stands in stark contradiction to that self-deluded idolatry. The gospel of Jesus Christ and him crucified is not a matter of sinners finding God however we want to, but of God in his sovereign grace and mercy finding and saving sinners through his son, Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ and Christ alone who has done what no other could do or would ever do. Live a perfectly sinless life. Suffer the righteous wrath of God to satisfy the perfect justice of God against our sins that we might not perish but have everlasting life through the mercy of God. No one else has ever done that for you. No one else ever would do that for you and no one else could ever do that for you. That is the reason that salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. But that message is regarded as an offensive stumbling block or foolishness today because it declares that in and of myself I am hopeless and helpless because I cannot save myself. The cross tells me that no matter how hard I try, no matter how moral I am, no matter how much good I think I do, no matter how sincere and well-intentioned I think I am, no matter how spiritual i aspire to be no matter how many self-help seminars i attend or causes i support no matter how much health food i eat or exercise i get i cannot save myself but i want to because i want to boast in the presence of god But the gospel of Jesus Christ and him crucified tells me to look not to myself for my salvation but to someone else, someone other than myself. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Look to Christ and be justified. Look to Christ and be sanctified. Look to Christ and be glorified together with him. There is no other salvation. There is no other religion, philosophy, or spirituality in which the holiness of God and the love of God are in perfect unity, in which the strict justice of God and the free mercy of God are in perfect harmony. But in Jesus Christ and him crucified, we see the holiness of God and the love of God, the justice of God and the mercy of God all revealed simultaneously in an amazing harmony and a beautiful unity revealing a salvation which is real and full and complete and perfect. We have Jesus Christ and him crucified to offer to a dying world. Brothers and sisters in our ministry, let us be confident of this. God still saves sinners his way. The way of Jesus Christ and him crucified. We heard that this afternoon from the testimonies of two candidates who stood here and told the story of how Jesus Christ crucified saved them so let us offer him freely to the world god has his people in every city, in every nation, of every tongue and every tribe. God has his people, so let us offer Jesus Christ and him crucified freely to the world. But first of all, we ourselves must believe this gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ and him crucified. And we ourselves must rest our souls upon it and live our lives according to it and nurture our churches in it. May it never be that the pulpits of this presbytery are filled by preachers who peddle the word of God for their own profit or tickle the ears of their congregations with the latest trends in contemporary theology or pop psychology or who Package up the gospel as though it were a worldly commodity to be marketed to the world as though it were a product to be sold. May it never be. My teaching elder brothers, let us not be know-nothing preachers, but let us decide in our preaching and in our teaching to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Brothers and sisters, ruling elders, you have the responsibility, along with the structure of this presbytery, brothers, sister, ruling elders, you have the responsibility to make sure that your congregation is filled only by preachers who have decided to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And whatever opposition, persecution, social scorn, and public derision we may face, let us not be ashamed of the gospel For it is still, in 21st century America, the wisdom of God and the power of God for the salvation of all who believe, so that no one may boast in his presence, but all glory, honor, and praise be given to him, the true and living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, we give you thanks that you have spoken your word to us in your Son, Jesus Christ, and you have given to us the faithful witness of the gospel of salvation in your word written in holy scripture. We pray, O Lord, that your word would be deeply implanted in our heart and watered by your spirit, that it might spring forth and bear much fruit for the glory of your name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In response to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, let us stand to affirm our faith using the Philippian Creed, which is based on the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippians in chapter 2. Christians, in whom do you believe? We believe in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen.